Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Mike with Olivari, and tonight we are going to be sharing some Le Mans memories. Some, yeah, just we're talking about some Le Mans stuff. And tonight, got with me uh, Ollie Trevelvasaurus. Ollie Trevelvasaurus, say hello. Hello. And returning after a long time on the sidelines, Lada. Welcome back, Lada. Hello. Um, Lada, you normally do all the graphics for us. Is that correct? Oh, I mean, it is yeah, correct. Basically, yeah. Basically. When was the last time you were actually on an episode? Do you remember? Oh, it's been a while. Uh, I think it's like two years ago with a re- reunion sort of episode. I don't know. <laughs> it has been a while. Um, so yeah, uh, for those who have not met Lada before, he does all the graphics for Endurance Chat and also the subreddit. Um, and has... Uh, oh, where am I going with this? He's also one of the moderators. There we go. <laughs> also one of the moderators of the subreddit. Australian base. We've been to Bathurst a bunch of times. He's a great dude. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about Le Mans today. And I thought this would be a good chance to sort of sit back, seeing as we're in this time of, you know, prolonged uh, prolonged nothingness when it comes to sport, uh, to just go back and uh, talk about some of the stuff that we wish we were able to watch. Uh, so I know that for myself, my Le Mans experience, my Le Mans, I don't know, What's the word I'm looking for here? Portfolio, I guess? The, the, the bunch of Le Mans that I've watched only extends back about 10 years, which in the grand scheme of the event isn't that long at all. You know, this this race has been going for... It's it's 88 editions this year, right? And But the first race was in 1923. So that's 98, 97 years that we've been doing this 24-hour race at Le Mans. So 10, 10 editions out of 97, well, sorry, out of 88, isn't that many. Um, but I think it's it would be cool to sort of think about what, uh, what races we would have liked to have been a part of and, or, well, like to have watched and like to have been talking about. Um, so, guys, first question of the evening, which Le Mans was your first? Which was the first Le Mans 24 hours that you were actually sitting down and watching? Who would like to, to share their first? So, for, for me... Um, I think this was something that was cut off with um, my network dropping out in a previous recording. Ah, yes, the Um, explosion of the router from a month ago. Yes, exactly. So um, the first sort of memory I have with acknowledging the 24 hours of Le Mans live as as it was happening was Audi hosted on their website the the live onboard cameras. Oh, nice. And it was Father's Day. And I remember just sitting in front of the home computer with my dad, just watching them lap loads of slow cars, thinking like, wow, this must be why this Audis must be really good and fast because they're constantly overtaking so many slow cars, not understanding, you know, different classes and yeah. stuff like that. But that was just the product of being a little kid watching motorsport without yeah. what? properly understanding what was happening. Yeah, I but, mean, um, that's true. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you remember what year that was? Just at the start of, yeah, that must have just been maybe um, just the start of the, it was during the TDI era, okay, so R10 potentially, uh, I think it was the R10 kind of era. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just really nice and, and relaxed and I didn't really understand what was going on. I kind of knew, heard about it because um, of the time with classics and things like that but i wasn't really necessarily interested in watching it live just kind of reading up on on the the history of it all and yeah and then because 
in the UK, it was difficult uh, and still is to get on on terrestrial television for new fans to to tune in um, and just see what's happening. This is why I was coming from a history of reading text, live text yeah. commentary. And um, for several years, I was following on, I think it was on Eurosport's website and just following via live text and seeing what's happening. And yeah, just gradually tuning in and out of the ebb and flow of the race and see what's happening. Um, and this combined with uh, eventually then GIFs from and, and clips from the subreddit um, around 2014, 2015 time. Hey, um, that would have been me and Cube Jam. That's a username I haven't thought of in a long time. I remember the the name Cube Jam. As yeah, well. yeah, and uh, and yeah, and then that kind of got the hooks in and uh, gradually pulled me closer. And um, now I am. Now you're here, literally. Yeah. By the way, Cube Jam, if you are listening, and if anyone does know of Cube Jam, I miss your gifts, man. They were a lot of fun. Uh, Lada, what about you? When was your first Le Mans uh, experience? What was the first year that you started watching Le Mans? Um, my first year of Le Mans. It's also my first season in WEC. It was yep. 2015, actually. Um, the good race. Good race to watch. Reason. It was a pretty good race. I do remember um, the reason why I was watching it is because, well, the Nissan GTI and Nismo, like it was actually it was actually um, being posted everywhere, advertised everywhere, and I was like, oh, hey, that's a that, that thing has pretty good tech. Hopefully, it's okay. And uh, <laughs> no, it it hasn't been it hasn't been arrived. Um, it has been to Silverstone. It hasn't been to Spa, and at this point, I was like, "What? What's going on with this thing?" And uh, yeah, it did arrive at, at Le Mans, and I was like, "Yay! All right, why? Why is it slow? Why? Why is this? <laughs> why is this slower than than um than and than anything else in the whole entire world? It, it, it's, why is that?" And um, yeah, one by one, one of them got DNF, another one caught on fire. Yeah, is 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 Jan Marlboro caught? Um, Carl got caught on fire. Could or have been. It... He Could did. Been? Um, he was he was trying to. He was getting towed by by a course car, and then he tried to bump start the car whilst being towed, and it caught on fire. <laughs> okay, it was genius. It was it was good good thinking on the fly. Um, mm. but yeah. So my second pick, like in this in this very very um short short um like who's who's ruining who. Uh, I picked the um, Audi car because, you know, I watched the Truth in 24 and I think that documentary is kind of like my jumping point in terms of prepping myself for a uh, what what is Le Mans and what do I expect and stuff like that. Cool. Though, here's the thing though, I haven't watched, haven't watched the whole entire thing, whole entire Le Mans in 2015. I haven't watched part. Yeah. So that isn't what you call the watching the whole entire thing i i think the only time i watched it i committed watching the whole entire thing it will be the 26 with the 2016 year <laughs> yeah year Le Mans. good yeah, cho- that, good choice on that one as well that's also a good choice <laughs> so yeah oh boy yeah. rough yeah. very rough yeah yeah because we kind of missed this when we did our like q a and what got you into motorsport sort of discussion but you weren't really a sports car fan. I know this about you personally. You weren't really a sports car fan until the, N- the Nissan GTR LM Nismo was a thing. That was like 
yeah, just like give us a bit a quick like thirty second brief on why that made you start watching sports cars. So it's kind of a it's kind of a, okay. I'll keep it short. Basically, I watch. I'm a Top Gear sort of fan. I guess Top Gear is actually also kind of like a portal, saying, hey, "Look, look, look at this. There's there's actually supercars. There's there's hypercars. There's all these sort of cool tech that's going on in, in the motorsport world, uh, or if not the um, if if not the autos the um, automotive sort of scene." And I was like, "Okay, I'm interested in cars. Sure, sure, sure." And then there's also another TV show in Australia called uh, Grin Transfer or ah, yes. Grin Planet. Uh, basically, for those who was not in Australia, Grin Transfer, Grin Planet, there are kind of a, a TV show which talks about advertisement uh, or marketing campaigns. Basically, anything, if you like to watch, um, so if you're a weirdo, which watches um, advertisement and just say, oh, that's really interesting. Just, just, just stand there, not watching it. Just, just watching TV and like, yep, that's what I like. Uh, then this show is for you. Then basically, I was watching a Super Bowl because you know, um, Super Bowl, big thing. Yeah. And when I was watching Super Bowl, the Nissan GTR was actually arriving. Yeah. And then, as part of Nissan's like strategy, uh, YouTube is then followed up and just published saying that okay, this is what it, this is what it looks, this is what it looks like, this is what the tech is like, this is why it's different against all other like uh, auto, uh like uh, other motorsport thing. It's a front wheel drive. It's not a rear wheel drive sort of sort of setup. It's also a front engine front, front yeah front wheel drive. So that's a huge mind blower. So I was like, oh, that that's that's very interesting. I should just follow it, and so I did. Nice, yeah, really interesting because that kind of takes me back uh, to a time before I was even really uh, heavily involved in the the subreddit, uh, the whole Nissan GTLM uh, reveal and that sort of stuff. That was all we we kind of knew that it was coming for the Super Bowl, and they talked about it. But then when it happened, it was kind of all a big wow, like sports cars in popular media. What is this? <laughs> so yeah, cool, cool, cool way to get into sports cars through the sort of techie side of it. Um, for me, uh, I think my first Le Mans, I I knew I I know that I watched David Brabham cross the line and win in 2009, but I don't remember any other part of that race uh, out of the 2009 race. That was like the only one Peugeot won, won in that entire stretch there. So I remember watching that, but the first one I was actually remember watching a significant amount of was 2010 because I remember seeing all the uh Peugeot's blow up at, in the tail end of the race. Uh, and uh, we had, we had I think, um, when we did our Le Mans Legends uh, reports last year in the lead up to Le Mans, we had a bunch of people do race reports for classic Le Mans finishes. And uh, I think it was Kiwi who actually did a report in the 2010 race. And I was looking at the cl- like the clips that he posted and being like, I 100% remember this, but there's just like a complete vacuum around that entire knowledge base of me. I couldn't tell you who the teams were in that race. I couldn't tell you what the classes were, who the fast guys were. I just remember Nigel Mans- Mansell's accident in the LMP2 car and then all the Pe- Peugeots blowing up. And then like, that's my remembrance of that race. It's a really weird sort of experience looking back on now that it kind of exists in such a vacuum. Um, compared to the sort of knowledge bank that I have before. 
Do you guys get that experience at all, looking looking back on that first Le Mans or those first sports car races that you were interested in and seeing what happened and seeing those results and seeing those highlights and going, I remember that, but I don't remember any context around that. I just remember that moment happening. Does that Do you get that sort of feeling as well? That's, that's kind of um, summed up perfectly with me um, with the, the following via text. Yeah, and, okay. And GIFs and, and, and pictures. So if I then go back and find footage of that race, it's then translating what I'd read as if it was like becoming a, a movie of a novel sort of thing. Yeah. Where you, you're seeing in 3D something that you'd read on a page. And one of the things, one of the perfect things was the, uh, I think it was Nakajima breaking down. Um, at our night in 2015, from, yeah. From, from the lead, yeah. So I, I, I remember, um, yeah, so I, I, I went to bed thinking, oh, okay, this is, this is going to be their year, finally. Um, he's absolutely smashing it. They've got a nice lead. And then I woke up. And then I refreshed the page, and then the first entry um, was he'd broken down. It, it was just a bit crazy because normally I'm <laughs> I'm not waking up at three forty-five in the morning, but um, on that day I happened to need to. So it was all like this weird um, stars aligning sort of thing to this moment where I would wake up at God's uh, yeah ridiculous yeah. o'clock to then have that happen at exactly the same time yeah um yeah it was, it was a bit bit weird the funny thing is i remember exactly where i was when i was uh when i heard about that because i'd actually that 2014 event i was at work i got called into work that day and the like i said to my manager who called me and i said the only way that i'm gonna come into work today is if you allow me to have full radio privileges in the office for the entire shift and he's like yep that's fine you'll be the only one there I'm like sweet so i was listening on radio Le Mans and i remember that i'd just come back from my lunch break and that had happened and i was just sitting there kind of dumbstruck so yeah it's kind of interesting because another sport that i follow pretty closely as well i've had a similar experience with i follow cricket pretty closely as well and i'm uh, like i guess ollie you would follow cricket as well right being from england no yeah maybe sort of sort of okay only if we win <laughs> so um, not often then um anyway uh one thing that i have found is that like listening to it on the radio or reading text updates through whatever service you find and then finding highlights and kind of piecing it together is actually a really really interesting experience because you have a sort of way it's been sort of your own visualization of it in your head based on the text off on the on the radio and then when you actually see it you can kind of get the full picture um so it kind of is interesting to think back uh, think on that uh to think about like how broadcasting would have been done in the past or in just on radio or just through like newspaper reports and something like that to sort of build that picture up it's really yeah interesting thing to think about yeah so then uh, a follow-on question from that is, so we've had our first Le Mans, the first ones that we really followed. So I think for Lada, you said 2016, Ollie, the first one you properly followed when about 2014? Probably 2014. Yeah. Yeah. 2013, 2014 time. Yeah. So I think the first one I properly followed with more context was also 2014. Um, But I had followed, uh, I think I'd watched something like... 12 or 14 hours of 2013 as well um but that was 
uh that was actually really interesting that was in the middle of swap back so for my uni exams and it was actually my sister's birthday on the saturday uh so she had a party and then when that was done i was like oh lamon's on i'll just sit and watch this uh which actually went quite well uh so of those five or six years that we've seen and that we've been following what do you reckon is the favorite edition that you've watched or that you've seen what 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 year sticks out to you as the one that stands above the rest? For me, I I mean I I can't um say I'm I'm pretty biased by this, but it's like seventeen. It was just a massive sort of crescendo of lots of things. Like my um, university, the last piece of work handed in for the university was the week before, and nice. so it was kind of all this big release of going to Le Mans for the first time with your mates. And yeah, it's, it was, it was just perfect. There were so many things that went like right as it were, because, uh, and, and we were so fortunate because through um, one of the people we were going with was hired by at that time with Ford. So we got into the Ford hospitality. Oh, get it out. Perfect. Um, yeah. Free drinks, free, um, <laughs> free food. And and the the location was ridiculous because it was at the entry of the second Mulsan chicane. Yeah. So it was part of the circuit that oh. no one could get to. And it was when when no one was there, no cars were there, you really felt like you were in the middle of nowhere sort of thing because it was all dark um, and you were in the middle of the forest, really. Um, so much so you could hear the cars sometimes breaking into Mulsan Corner itself, Jeez. like through this tunnel of trees um, where the sound propagates, as it were. Um, and yeah, it was just basically this big, amazing moment where you're just finally there. Like, um, for me, it was going in past the Ferris wheel and then past the Porsche Performance Center. And then you're in the last chicane looking up the start-finish straight. Um, yeah. Yeah, and you That's, see the, the pit lane and the, the Michelin timing board at the pit out. And yeah, it's just... It's surreal, it's right? Yeah. yeah. I, I actually... Lada, I want to ask you, did you have that same experience the first time you went to Bathurst? Did you... What Ollie was just describing then, did you feel that as well? Yeah, I do some do somewhat. Um, well, let me, let me think about this. It, I think I... Do remember to me to be honest at the time I was actually was a bit half sleeping as well because because during that time I don't have much sleep because I was yeah. so excited and the only thing I do remember about it is actually the last you last few I love last hour remember yeah. remember during that time when you and I were watching on the huge TV, television like yeah like blood I where worst night was actually watching on the TV and we were watching I think it was one of the Bentleys uh there was like it was like a yellow flag moment and people and then we're like saying do not swear oh yeah 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 do not swear around otherwise you will actually get a penalty and then we just like and we all just shouted i remember during that time we all just shouted shouted yeah not swerve not swerve and we saw the bentley just swerve oh no and the whole crowd as well yeah it's awesome awesome being in that sort of atmosphere uh so yeah of course 2017 ollie first event event there yeah fair enough okay i play that what about you lada what was the fir- your, your favorite Le Mans that you've seen in the last or that you've seen oh boy this is really hard like <laughs> i i think retrospectively 
any battle with uh with the LMP one with the I would say the trio with mm. the trio happening. So basically Audi, uh, uh Porsche and Toyota coming yeah. on. So um I do remember 2016. No, you don't want to say what happened 2016. 2016, I, I do remember um, actually copying and pasting the RRC channel. Like at a time we were using yes. RRC, not using Discord. And I still still got the logs, actually. During that time, we actually uh, were, I remember, I, I distinctly remember that on the very last, on the very, on the last 30 minutes, we were like arguing that that Ford was actually basically using the VOPs BOP to basically sandbag the way. We don't know. We're yeah. not we're not confirming. We're not denying. I'm just, we're just saying that some people might say that. That's about it. So And there was the whole well, drama with the the like the leader lights as well and there was black flags and penalties that were being uh, given and meatball flags for the like the Ferrari leader lights and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that too, that too, and we're and we're all just arguing that that's just ACO trying to support Ford as well, and we're all arguing with each other. And guess, and then I distinctly remember saying on the RRC, say that hey, at least Toyota's got to win, <laughs> and then suddenly, bam, bam, whoops, yeah, oof, that's that's a that's a commentator or not even commentators curse, just a, a chat room curse, just there, yeah, damn. Yeah, that too. Um, I can slot in and another year as well. Yeah, that go I ahead. Do remember a good, a great year? Yeah, go ahead yeah. if you want to. So the second one, the second place, like really close second place, is twenty seventeen. Yep. The the year afterwards. So basically, at that time we were like, okay, Toyota's gonna win. Everyone's everything's gonna be fine. It's gonna be a redemption year. And then, well, you know, it's just all... it isn't a redemption. Yeah, it's, it's just a mess overall. But we're not just here for that, of course. Just talking about Toyota itself will be a a wash here. We're not talking about that. We talk about what happened during the twenty during the twenty seventeen Le Mans, and that's the only race that I distinctly remember. And not just focusing on one one team, but multiple teams. Cool. I distinctly remember that by Coles was well, well. Well, here's the thing: when <laughs> when the Le Mans, <laughs> I just gave it away, didn't I? Yeah. So on the when Le- the Le Mans start, it just started. It's like, okay, we're here. The race starts now. And then the race starts 2017 or 2018. I forgot. Is it 2018? I, I thought it was 2017 that Michael has managed to hold one lap all yeah. less than. No, that too. They, they, they had the, the, the bollard incident. Oh, yes. The bollard incident. Yes. Yes. And I do remember, I think, that by Coles, when they fit completed, when nearly completed the first lap, when it goes through the Molsan straight, we see smoke. Like, straight I away. Couldn't believe it. Straight away. First, first things, first things first, smoke. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And we were on the voice chat as well, I think. And we all just laughed. And basically, yeah, it was, it was a, big... it was a grand old time. Ran all the time. It wasn't an engine fire though, so give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't doesn't matter at that point. It's a bike hollers and it's on fire. It's like you know, but it, it, it should have won. I mean, you know, if yeah. you think back to to the times of seven, uh, seventeen, you know, I remember being um, on my own at that point uh, in the race, um, and I was out on the outside of turn one. Uh, just sheltering because it was so hot. Uh, just standing up against how, how hot are we talking wall. here? Are we talking like forty degrees, fifty degrees, forty five degrees? 
it was it was mid thirties, I think, but humid. Oh, that's, and, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. That's like a it was, pleasant there was no summer's day. Protection that's whatsoever. Fine. <laughs> no protection other than like standing up against a wall and its shadow of like ten centimeters on the ground <laughs> was all you find. Mate, so we're gonna get was... you. We're gonna get you out to Australia one day. <laughs> then you then you know what proper proper sun feels like. Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> Only in your winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, that was crazy because I I remember when the uh, leading the when Lotterer um, slowed down and then retired on yeah. the run to Indianapolis. Uh, and... n- the first time because he initially pulled over. Just after Terre Rouge, I didn't. I I thought it was Terre Rouge that he he stopped at, not Indianapolis. Well, anyway, I remember yeah. it being a, a long straight and yeah. uh, him him parking it uh, for good, uh, getting out in and out of the car and watching it in a um, on on one of the big screens at pit out, and the crowd were you know going a bit crazy, thinking about what the hell's happening and. We had no idea what was happening, and and then we were looking at the the timing screens uh, that came up, and you know the the lap gaps and things, and thinking, hang on a minute, where's the leader? A P two is a P two is gonna is is leading the race, and yeah, it, we were just that like P two winning Le Mans is like something that we were saying again and again, and breaking the the language barrier. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea who this French dude was. But we were like screaming at the top of our lungs, like JCDC winning Le Mans and stuff like that. And wow! It, it just, it yeah, it it was crazy. And then, um, unfortunately, uh, the other Toyota, uh, sorry, uh, Porsche, Porsche. Um, Unf- finally, unfortunately, uh, got, unfortunately, yeah, un- unfortunately, um, got past. And then, yeah, we uh, we got we we worked out that we weren't so good at doing some maths. <laughs> um... Well, it wasn't. It wasn't that close. Well, sorry, it wasn't that easy in the end. It was only they only put it on it another a, lap. It was a lap. Yeah, yeah, it was a lap. But so, if you if you you know look at it, a, a bike collar should be able to finish a lap. Oh, yeah. the LMP2 class should and, should and, yes. And 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 that that whole sentiment pretty much forecasted the the current um, status or, or the previous season of of. Weck really, uh, just that race yeah. and and the narrative that came from it. Well, it, it was kind of what the organisers, I, what I think the organisers were hoping for that we'd see a lot more of. But I think the reason that we saw 2017 was because you had two manufacturers pushing each other to the absolute limit in every single race, and com- combine that with the weather and you know fatigue and you know the whole thing that comes with pressure in sports. That's why 2017 happened. For the follow-on events, 2018, 2019, I don't, we didn't get the same recipe, and I think part of that was because of the fact that Toyota wasn't really challenged. But that's a that's a whole other thing, and that's not really what I wanted to talk about in this podcast. But that's fine. Um, yeah, P2 winning, possibly winning Le Mans, was probably one of the biggest potential stories uh, that we've had in the last five or six years of uh of competition at Le Mans has there actually been a time where a distinctly lower class car I'm going to use the word distinctly lower class here because there's arguably times where there's been two like combined top classes or two competitive top classes like if you look at LMGTP and uh LMP1 
in the late 90s. You could argue that they were both competing top classes. Has there ever actually been a time where a definitively lower class car has won Le Mans? 1995, I mean, the the F1 GTRs were 10 seconds a lap slower than yeah, the LTs. So, on, uh, at qualifying. So, um, I guess you could kind of, on today's numbers, consider that to be yeah. a, a, a second class of car because, you know, the LMP2s are, are, are pretty quick um, now, uh, mm, but still, yeah. you know, around that time gap from P1s. You know, that. just a, another aside, you know what completely surprises me about the P217s? They are faster than the Audi R18, like the first year that the Audi R18 won. The LMP217s are faster than that car over a single lap. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, that that should not be allowed. But it, but it is, and it's produced great, great racing. Um, another uh, example I can think of of a lower-class car winning was the... Oh, I'm getting the, the year wrong here. Uh, 1976? The Whittington Brothers? Is that the right year? It's kind of the right era sounding. Yeah, because that one, that was, they won that in a 935, which was definitely, yeah, definitely not, it was 1979, I got close, it was a, a 935 oh, versus Group C, actually. pardon? I have I have the mug that I bought last year with every single winner on it, so, uh, up to 2019, uh, so I can, oh, 2017, so I can count back. And yeah, it does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it's really weird because there was, yeah, it was the Porsche 936s in Group S and then the 935s in, I think it was Group 5 they're called. And yeah, they, for some, somehow, mostly because of horrible reliability and inclement weather, a lower class Porsche won the race, which is great because Porsche is awesome. Um I think though my favorite Le Mans over the part over the time that I've been watching um, is a pretty tight toss up between 2016 and 2014 actually of the ones that I've really been following closely because so the 2014 event was the first event that Porsche had returned and I basically jumped in, back into sports cars because of that and uh, it was also the first event that I really followed closely. Um, and so to have all three manufacturers in with a fighting chance at some stage in the race, including Porsche, including Toyota, including Audi, all of which had reliability problems throughout that race as well, uh, and to be a part of the community and to be really engulfed in the race for that weekend, even though I had to step out and work for a, a portion of it, I think that one was a really, really good one to go back and revisit as well and then 2016 just everything about the 2016 race was just bonkers just from start to finish was just bonkers um don't think we've ever seen a dramatic more dramatic finish uh than that in recent history um but even further back uh in my memory the 2011 race also dings a pretty hard bell uh of course 2011 race is the one that's covered in the documentary Truth in 24-2. And if you don't know the story of that race, uh, basically take brand new cars, remove two Audis with massive incidents, and then the remaining remaining Audi uh, managed to defeat three Peugeots in an absolute titanic battle. So definitely, if you haven't seen that one, at least watch the documentary because it's amazing. Uh, what? Yeah, what do we? Do you guys rate the twenty eleven one? Twenty eleven race is probably 
the best or second best race in the last decade at Le Mans? How would you rank? How would you rank the top three in the last decade? Do you reckon? Oof. Yeah. Good question. Because for me, it would go 2016, 2011, 2014. They're pretty close there. In terms of highs and lows, like 2017 is crazy. Yeah. Um, 2011 as well, you know, you've got the shocking lows of those massive incidents Mm. where you, you know, you are live fearing for people's lives um, watching the screen. And then having the 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 fight that's kind of pure endurance, as it were, where you've got the faster Peugeots, and then you've got the the Audi that's winning on reliability and time less time in the pits and fewer pit stops, um, which is really interesting uh, to kind of see how that shaped up uh, over over it, and then how it all kind of came to a crescendo with the last stop and um, saving time. Yeah. Um, and then yeah 2015 as well in terms of storylines of, yeah. of, of the different um having was it five um p1 manufacturers and it was all kind of a bit four flat, but four plus well four plus rebellion four, four and a bit yeah four and a bit so, yeah. Yeah. And that's another one we haven't really mentioned yet, the 2015 race, because that's a question that I had planned for later. But I reckon we'll let Lardo answer the question of the, the top three for the last decade first before we step into that question. Top three of the last decade. Well, here's the thing I only been here for 2015 to, okay. to 2020. So I've got five years to pick. <laughs> man. So surely you know the 2011 story though right yeah i know the 2011 story this one's this one i i actually very surprised they haven't well they will soon make it they already made a they they already made a documentary out of it yeah Mm. so i'll say that to 20 to 2011 race the okay 2016 race because i was there yeah Uh, 2011 because the storyline was absolutely fantastic uh and then after that the 2017 because because that's what I also watch as well. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I'm surprised at the lack of love for 2014. Oh, I guess that's just just too, too, too in the middle of things. Uh, now, this is a question that I, I think is going to be a really interesting one to see what you guys come up with. Which of the Le Mans events in the other 70-odd editions of the race that you haven't watched is your favourite? Which which story of the of the Le Mans past is the one that sticks out to you that you go yes I I wish I was there for that one I want to I wish I was there for that story that's my favorite Le Mans story. Is there is there anything that question. jumps out straight away? Uh, there's a good question for me is it's storylines in terms of Ford versus Ferrari kind of thing that's in in the front of our mind at the moment because of the sort of movie yeah um for me though i think in terms of coolness late 90s that kind of gt1 era yeah okay. seeing the toyotas the porsches the mercedes that kind of thing um yeah the sound the speed the sort of look of those cars is really cool and to be around watching the, watching them uh and yeah the really long um sleek 
GT uh, alleged road-based um, machinery. Uh, Insert yeah. the 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 Doctor Evil inverted commas road-based. Oh, I did actually. Hold oh, my nice. Hands <laughs> in the air. Um, yeah, as I said that. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so is there a particular edition that sticks out to you, or is it just that sort of era in time that you really would have liked to have focused on? Yeah, I think that era as a whole. Um, yep. I'm not too much of a historian, um, and I'm kind of in it for the cars yep. rather than necessarily the the drivers and the the, the specifics. Um, but yeah, to just to to be around. Um, during that era would have been um, super cool. I mean, it probably would have helped the fact that, you know, you had some British racing heritage to to follow as well with the McLarens. Yeah, that would have been nice. (laughs) What about you, Lado? Is there any any past Le Mans event or era that really sticks out as as, uh, something that you would have liked to have been a part of? Uh, I will say... I'll, I'll say the GT1s, actually. Um, so a similar the, sort of thing. The McLaren, McLaren, um, G, the GT, yeah, McLaren GT. I think it's yep. those people. Um, yep. So that, so that one, I guess. Uh, mostly because it, it, I hate to say it, the cars really do like look like cars at a time. It's one of those few moments where it's actually a break of tradition that instead of actually using prototypes as a forerunner, they use actual what you might look like, what you perceive as an actual race car on the track, which I think is what what the ACO is trying to do right now. But of course, they, something's happened, something's happened, and some chinks happened and stuff yep. like that. I, I love to see those actual cars on a track and people saying, that's a car I want to get if I'm a millionaire, or that's what I will get if not some little brother on, on, on that. Yeah. And, you know... We're not we're not on Sunday sell on Monday sort of mentality, though. Genuinely, uh, I, that's what I would like to watch. But yeah, cool. The thing is, though, with the um the the GT one era is that it started that way with you know actual recognizable supercars, sure, but it very very quickly became uh something that it <laughs> something where it was impossible to uh to get anything sort of road based out of it. Uh, and until at the end, basically to the end point where you had, it, well, even before the start of the the GT one era, where you had a Group C car with indicators going out into the GT class and winning a Le Mans, or a car that was basically a prototype in an F fifty shell and uh, never actually ended up racing because all the regulations changed as it was getting ready to race. So yeah, I can understand the the appeal to the GT one era, but for me, I, I never really got it if that makes sense it it always still at least looking back at it now it felt like prototypes still um so it's interesting to me the fact that both of you it's indicated that era as an era that you would have liked to have been a part of i think it's because uh mostly because of my background of getting into it is top gear really. yeah actually so, yeah fair Jimmy enough Clarkson and stuff like that so basically i've been brought up i think right now this generation being brought up with saying hypercars this hypercar is the best uh because i said so it, not because it's proven on the track it, it doesn't need to be proven on the track because i said so yeah. mentality 
and nowadays people like to modify their cars a lot now um since the video game like like forza horizon 4 like all those like although nowadays most people use i racing as, mm. as a thing lower lower non-technical people would just modify the heck out of the cars i, I actually just couldn't believe some some people which does does they like change swap their cars to an <laughs> ls swap or something like that which is like why are you doing that that's ruining ruin the characteristics <laughs> and stuff like that why are you doing that stop stop doing that but, ls swapping yeah. a rotary oh god don't say that <laughs> please please don't uh you can't you can't stop me um yeah well that's that's interesting okay um because i for me the the era that sticks out the most the era that i would have loved to have been watching was group c i i think like the 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 one le mans race that i wish i could have watched live uh happened over 10 years before I was born. That was the 1983 event. And this is this is the one that everyone, uh, that Porsche themselves absolutely, like, destroyed the entire competition. They got eight of the top 10s, well, sorry, nine of the top 10 positions and were entirely unbeatable. But to me, the Group C era was, looking back on it now, it was a time where there was great factory involvement and great development because the formula in relative terms, was so simple. It's like you have this fuel allocation, go. And the that sort of freedom really sort of... I, I quite liked that. Looking back on it now, I quite liked that sort of regulation writing where it's you're constrained by one particular aspect and then you have free reign. And some of the stories from the Group C era um, are, are some that I, I knew prior and some that I have learned only very recently. Um, the races from like... 1983 is the one that I mentioned where uh, the two Porsches that finished 1-2 broke down beyond the finish line. Uh, and then the the races between Jaguar and Porsche in the late 80s, like those sort of events where you have parochial fans flooding the track at the end of the races because the battles have been so intense for so long and you've got this really like big divide between the fan bases that stuff is cool and i guess for me that's where i've been that's the sort of stuff i've been brought up on with v8 supercars you know so having porsche versus jaguar or porsche versus sauber or you know ford versus ferrari even though that's a different thing entirely that you know that to me speaks to like the holden versus ford that i've grown up in so yeah i really wish i'd been a part of group c and also the cars look freaking mega as well that would have been terrifying (laughs) um sounded it too yeah i've unfortunately not had the privilege to see a group c car hit the track in person yet not yet um, it is on my list of things to do at some stage. Um, there was the, this year, actually the demonstration laps at Bathurst, but I was not, not watching at that point, And apparently it wasn't even that great, which is a shame. Did that get broadcast at all? For... It did. But unfortunately the, the cameras, uh, the TV director must've either been drunk or asleep or both. Um, because the, the cars were in shot for about, a millisecond before moving next to the next camera shot. Uh, the unfortunate thing was the car was already out of shot, like, or going out of shot when the camera was cut to. So yeah, you basically could hear it, but couldn't see it. Damn. Maybe it was, it was a, a one of those things where they had like some, 
written obligation to not broadcast it to international viewers or broadcast not like a small amount to international viewers maybe it was just like some contractual obligation that it was only for the people at the track or something i don't know well i think it was probably that the tv director didn't know he was supposed to be on the clock <laughs> and it was like some intern that tried and had a go but uh yeah probably too many <laughs> buttons to to press fair enough fair enough uh fair enough well yeah so what what, what other er- eras or races from Le Mans history, do do you think like ha- have had those special moments? Because I think you know there's some like we talk about we talk about eras in Le Mans history. So like the recent one of the LMD LMP one H era is one of probably the brightest sparks in Le Mans history that we've had in you know the last twenty years or so. And there's you know the 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 you call it the Audi era really, um, which was like the two thousands. Uh, the GT1 era, the Group C era, you know, and then you kind of got this really weird patch in the 70s where it's like the Group S, but kind of not Group S era, kind of growing out of world sports cars maybe. And then like prior to that is like the displacement sort of uh, cars or classes with like Ford versus Ferrari and then the Ferrari domination. And then prior to that, the the sort of, late 50s this dawn of supercars really the aerodynamic era yeah any any other thing any other part of the Le Mans history that really strikes you as something that was would have been special to see at the time and you know you wish that you'd captured that sort of uh sort of moment as a as a Brit uh um there are eras that are talked about fondly from from this country and it's kind of, you know, plucky Brit drives their car over to France and then wins the race kind of thing. <laughs> so you've got the, the the Bentley boys and the the Jaguar years as well. Yep. So that um, would have been the late 50s? Yeah, I believe yep. um, uh, late 50s. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's cool because I remember well before I was into Le Mans, like the cool things about those Jaguar years was the kind of, it was development at the time, you know, Mm. it seems pretty rudimentary compared to road cars today, but the things like the inclusion of disc brakes and and that, 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 that helped the D type to, to victory. And yeah, the svelte body kits that they had then. Yeah. When I, when I was a kid looking at these cars, just thinking they were so beautiful at Goodwood and, and places like that and festivals, I think that's quite cool to, you know, to think about who are these people behind the scenes coming up with these designs to to take forward to Le Mans and see if they can be the 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 clinching factor that that brings their car to the win. And um and yeah, the, then more and more fans turning up with the 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 Jaguar years and things like that, you know, people talk fondly of the of the barrage of Brits going across yes. the channel. Um, yes and taking over pretty much um it's kind of a bit similar Rowdy but Brits. if there was it, it's kind of a bit similar now with the, the the number of brits going over but if there was you know a, a, a proper british team in the top class um like during these eras i think it would be absolutely insane yeah because that's 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 something that's kind of missing from that wild patriarchal 
patriarchal, sorry, pa- patriotic is the word I was looking for. Uh, patriotic uh, fan base is is having someone from your own country to really get behind and and to 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 obsess over. I mean, just look at look at the the Dutch with Max Verstappen, and I I know that you're at the moment putting on a very Dutch outfit, Ollie, uh, because it's the what is it called King's Day. King's Day over in the Netherlands today. So, would you like to just quickly share with us what you're wearing, if that's okay? Oh, just lots of orange. <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you say? You said you had your your McLaren papaya socks and your. They're, they're just not. They're not branded. They just happen to be. <laughs> it's okay. Happen to be that color. I'm just embarrassing you now. Um, what What about you, Lada? Any other like sort of era in history that really strikes you as something else? As something you would have liked to have seen? Um, I'll I'll say the uh, like. Like as you say, Group C, but mm. more specifically, I think it reaches its peak around in 1998 or 1991. So 1998, 1991. Do you mean 88? These, these 98 to yeah. 1991. Yeah. So around these two years, basically, the reason why I said that is because um, there's loads of loads of other cars entering. That you you got Jaguars with the V12s, Porsche with the flat sixes, and 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 for some forsaken reason, Mazda's joining him in the Rotary and people always, you know, and for some reason they always wanted to prove themselves that, oh yeah, it's, it's still a thing, I'm still a thing, and stuff like that. Yeah. And I suppose one more specific point in 1988 is because um, the uh, Persia, the Peugeot uh, record car. Yes. The uh, 4, 407, the uh, Project 405, is it? Something along those lines. It's... Oh, that rings yeah, it's, basically. It was the WM something or other Peugeot. P-A-8. Yes. WMPA8. That's the so, one. That's the one. Or, or you know, that, that those those sort of cars, those sort of experimental cars, which I, I, I again, wish that it would happen today, which I know, which, which, which I know the reason why it wouldn't happen today because, well, the economics change and stuff like that, but I, I just don't care. I just like... <sighs> The creativity that the engineers, the uh, the teams that they actually risk it all and say, yes, this is actually a really good idea. Let's let's push let's push this from paper to actual parts. You know, mm. awesome. I, I love yeah. that event. Yeah, and that's that's something of, of the magic of like the Group C era is that you still had people interested in motorsport in these companies pushing these teams to go racing in motorsport. Feels like I guess it feels a bit now that like you're getting almost too corporate. Like these decisions are made in boardrooms away from the racetracks instead of by the people who want to be at the racetracks, which I guess is a function of capitalism and stakeholders and blah, 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 blah. But there was certainly some sort of magic of having all of this happening at the same time with people who were heavily interested in going racing for the sake of going racing. Um, Just quickly on that 1988 a race. I think that is one of the most unbelievable stories in Le Mans history, the the finish to that race. Um for those who don't know, uh Jaguar ended up breaking uh Porsche's winning streak, which I think was at seven races at that point, with Jan Lammers driving the entire last stint on that race with no gearbox basically he was stuck in fourth gear and they were afraid that if they tried to switch out of that gear that the entire thing would disintegrate because the gearbox had been like the biggest 
tripping point for the Jaguar team over the course of that car's life. Uh, it's quite and- a funky, uh, quite a funky design. I believe the the gear linkage went through the middle of the V of the engine block. That is impressive packaging. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funky. Yeah, I, I believe that was that specific one, but I may be wrong. Cool. Okay, I didn't know that. That's really, really interesting. The the story that I know is that when they crossed the line, they the 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 official gap at the end of the race was, uh, I think, over two minutes. But that is most definitely due to the fact that the crazy British fan flooded the track between the Jaguar crossing the line to win and the Porsche coming across the line. So really, the gap at the line should have been something more like forty five seconds. Oh the, my gosh, really? Yeah, it was it was incredibly tight. And remember, this is after Lammers had done the entire last stint in fourth gear. Now, apparently... Imagine what it would have been like now. Yeah. You know, him, he, he, he couldn't make it around the tight Arnage corner without stalling the engine, so he had to cut the corner each time. Yeah. Imagine if he was like that nowadays like the time penalties he would have been given you, you yeah you wouldn't be allowed to finish the race <laughs> the 80s were just a different time now the story goes no the, the story goes <laughs> they took the car apart afterwards they took it back to england they took the car apart and when they cracked open the engine uh, sorry the gearbox casing the gears literally fell out of it. it. They'd been so damaged over the course of the race that it was basically du- aluminium dust that just fell out of the gearbox casing when they pulled it apart. So they were that close to not winning that race after, again, so many years of trying and being the the favourites and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I think that's one of the, again, one of the reasons that Group C is really, really cool. One of the reasons I really wish I'd been able to see Group C for stories like that. Like, that is, that is cool. That is really cool to to get to that close on, on a fine margin to of reliability, really. Just want to round back to what Ollie said earlier about, like, the 50s and the 60s. I reckon they might be the most gorgeous cars to ever grace the Le Mans circuit. Like, can you think of any other group of cars or era of cars that race the Le Mans that still, 50, 60 years later, capture that much attention for how they look? Well, I think it, it kind of um, is is a... Uh... It doesn't need translation. You know, you, mm. you put this car in front of anyone and they instantly would say, this is beautiful. Like, you don't need to explain it. You don't need to, to describe why something is somewhere, you know, like um, uh, some aero trickery or whatever. You know, it's just, it, it, it needs no translation. Mm. They're just amazing. Um, it is just beautiful. I would argue, yeah, I would argue, like, there are different, eras that have their own kind of um beauties um but then some of them are a bit funky you know like i absolutely love the the peugeot was it the hypercopter or whatever the what um, what oh, uh, oh i know what you're referring to give yeah, me a moment we, yeah we'll we'll have a little uh intermission as we find the pictures but um what? it's just an absolutely crazy looking car but it's just super cool and yeah i just think Every era has got, you know, um, people having their own um, their own favourites, but I think everyone can agree, um, and it breaks down all of all boundaries that are barriers that the kind of mid to late fifties was just. 
beautiful. Yeah, I I think just in pure, like pure aesthetic beauty sense, the the mid to late fifties were that, and part of that was because aerodynamics hadn't really been a thing yet. Like you know, we talk about you know drag limits and rear wings and aerofoils, blah blah blah, all that sort of stuff nowadays. But they were only just breaching the the idea that you could fabricate force onto a car by shaping the car a downward force on the car by shaping the arrow the air that goes over the car or shaping the car in such a way that it creates a push force onto the ground that that on, you know on on the other hand you know it was um Malcolm Sayer that that was designing these jaguars and he was an aircraft designer himself okay well yeah so you you are taking these kind of beautiful forms that are still from science, but they are really primitive towards you know what we're used to now, mm. and and in their simplicity, kind of gently uh, pushing the 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 design of the time towards something um, with performance is is still you know really nice and beautiful it kind of hides the performance what do you mean by hides the performance well if if you you could go into explaining why you know the cars look the way that they are back then in terms of teardrop forms and things like that and and wing profiles but you don't need to because the still the predominant feature about it is you know it looks beautiful yeah okay so so the 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 performance aspects are it's sort not of in your face yeah it's, it's hidden yeah it's, it's, it's under the surface yeah okay cool I, I understand what you mean it's like like the fact that the lexus lfa sounds absolutely gorgeous and that's because they actually got like musicians to come in and help design the exhaust system so that way it sounded gorgeous like that sort of thing Except with yeah. car body shape instead of acoustic amazingness. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that's an analogy that worked in my head. If you if if you if it works for you in the audience, then that works well as well. Uh, we have just had a picture of the hypercopter uh, Peugeot posted in the chat, and that thing scares and terrifies me. Really, it's like if you put the front of a Nissan GTR LM Nismo on a mid-90s prototype. It is terrifying, and I do not like it. It's no, no thank you. <laughs> and, and it's a, a supercopter. The, uh, the, the hyper was just me um, being influenced by the, the uh, on-trend phrase of the day with hypercar and hyperpole and hyper-everything. Hyper-hyper. Fair enough. Exactly. Um, awesome. Uh, so now a question... Uh, that might might sound like we're treading old ground, but I want to talk about more specific events as opposed to like a year's Le Mans on a whole. I want to talk about more specific things. So what is your favorite moment from Le Mans? And I don't mean your favorite race or your favorite battle or your favorite like car or team or driver or whatever your favorite moment the moment like the five or ten minutes which really just jumps out of you at you as your favorite part of 
the Le Mans history, the whole time, whole thing, the whole eighty-seven editions that we've had. What has been your favourite moment? Who wants to go first? For me, well, um, for me, I'll, I'll go first. The it comes back to twenty seventeen, and it was something that I've been holding off um, when I was talking about it before. Was when we were um, at, on the Molsan. Um, it was the the ten minutes of hell sort of thing for Toyota. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, that yeah. I'd like to call it because we saw one car coming past um, slowly, and then um, another. I think it was Lapierre um, afterwards, as the, with the second failure, um, and he came past slowly, and we were all looking at each other like, "What the hell is going on?" They had it not in the bag, as it were, but they were in control. Yeah, and and then suddenly this car comes past on fire and we're looking at each other dumb fat, like no words, like what is, what's happening. Um, and yeah, it turned out he had a bit of a coming together and a, an oil fire um, and then going back to the pits a bit too quick. And for that, it was, yeah, we were kind of just absorbing in um, the race as it was going into night um, must've been about midnight at that time yeah and and it was kind of coming to a bit of a relaxing point as it were it's 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 dark it's in night and you know it's kind of all spread out a bit and the the crowds are going down as people are going to bed and and then suddenly this this out of the out of nothing this energy everyone everyone's going crazy because you know one of the top toyotas is, is breaking down and then straight away, as it, uh, it felt like the next lap kind of thing because yeah. of the buzz, it then happens again, and uh, yeah, it was it was all a, a blur really. Yeah, I I remember you might I think this sort of describes a similar sort of feeling because uh, when we were in the the race chat, the Discord for that race, you could feel just an immediate deflation in in everyone. It was like, oh no not again uh that was the sort of feeling that we had uh in the discord which you go you probably didn't realize at the time and i i wonder how different it was for you at the track compared to what we were experiencing in in a in a live chat situation because it very quickly turned into sort of like a defeated anger in in our live chat that year because all of a sudden we'd gone from you know yeah toyota being in control to this this race is there's no reason to watch anymore we're angry because the race has been destroyed by these two moments of madness really was that there that sense at the at the racetrack as well well for for this i think was this the year that that kobayashi had that really amazing qualifying lap 2017 uh and like war yeah, no, I think. Uh, yes, and no. Yes, I remember now. Yes. Yeah, that was that was the record-breaking pole lap. Yes, yeah. and and you know, following along in the campsite, and it was kind of the gene- the general feeling was okay. Toyota has the pace, um, but anything can happen still. But Toyota have the pace, and that was confirmed with the first day, pretty much. It yeah. felt like, um, and then it was like a light switch. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, well, that sounds mad. Yeah, because that the build-up to that year was all Toyota. It's going to be Toyota's year. So, yeah, I can definitely understand how how brutal that would have been trackside. 
Damn. What about you, Lada? What what five minutes of Le Mans history really jumps out at you as being your the the biggest five minutes or the biggest the most significant moment in your mind? Um, I think I did mention it before, so that's uh that's a retread. That's fine. Um, I was about to, I was about to say the yeah um like the good pick will be the will be definitely um Toyota's like uh out like like worst hour I would say but yeah. then again um retread because it's still stuck on my mind um uh, just to elaborate um it was yeah as I said the 2016 last five minutes mm. uh it was the worst like the most horrible horrible feeling like. I remember it was an RSC at the time. I do. Rem- I actually still remember. I was actually sitting on my desk and I was watching the stream. Was you know normal as usual watching this, watching that thing. And yeah, that that thing happened. I said the bad word, <laughs> jinxed it basically. And uh, yeah, as a result, the whole entire thing. Uh, Chobash, um, uh, Nakajima said, "I have no power." Then uh, after this, my internet was broken down. Oh, really? Like, like th- that's a, that's a twist. I that didn't mention. Th- there is no <laughs> internet. My internet at that time was like so horrible because Australian internet, yeah, absolutely horrible. And at the time, the whole entire stream was hammered. So, un- un- like, like the most perfect will be just me saying, "Oh, I watched the whole entire thing," and yeah, I watched the whole entire thing, and it's really sad. Blah 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 blah. blah. But in reality, I was. I was like scrambling to watch something, to hear something, end, yeah. to find out what's going on. The IRC at that time was absolutely hammered. I just hear, I just watching that. The only thing I can, t- I can see on the text is like, what? No, no, why? <laughs> there is no God. You know, those kind of words. It was <laughs> yes, like, I remember no, that. What's going on? There is, what's going on? And then so I was like, okay, gotta what? Gotta turn on the radio, listen to what they said. But at that time already, there's already a um, uh, already already the race is nearly over, and all I can hear from the other side radio was the Porsche team uh, was uh, shouting, uh, crying, and then the um, I think I overhear from one of the um, one of, one of the people I forgot at the time right now because right because at the time I was in the Dreadland, no idea yeah. who who said that. They he they actually said um, uh, the twenty the twenty sixteen winner uh, is um, is Porsche Porsche won Porsche won the Le Mans twenty sixteen and I was like You're kidding me no way man yeah it's that that final lap must must be one of the most iconic moments in racing or sport uh let alone just Le Mans because uh, how many how many 24-hour races are decided with a last lap failure like that uh after, after really really that Toyota team had run, run the perfect race that year like thinking back on it now they had out-strategied their opponents they had out reliability their opponents and the only mistake made by the team was really the sister car uh where i think it was kobayashi had a spin at the porsche curves which damaged the floor and that dropped them a a lap further back or a lap or two further back but apart from that they were quite untouchable and then it was what uh, the equivalent of the the five dollar part on the million dollar machine that failed that uh yeah ended their race so i think for yeah as as part of the like 
the the light and day in sports the success and failure the the agony and ecstasy yeah that's got to be definitely got to be up there um yeah i don't know if i can top that i don't i don't think you know the Le Mans moments for me that really stand out are probably the ones that are similar for the two of you as well but I think the the five minute gearbox change on the the Audi I think that was back in 2003 um, where they changed the entire rear end of Alan McNish's Audi R8 in five minutes to return that car to the track still on the lead like that that is an iconic moment uh, for me in at Le Mans because that sort of shows the sort of uh, design ingenuity to think about these problems ahead of time and be able to rectify them quickly. That has been part of Le Mans since then. Um, Cause I think Audi were the first ones to really push that to the forefront. Um, and also some of the, the, the smaller stories that people don't really uh, talk about on mass anymore, you know, like the Delta wing, uh, uh, the first year of the Delta wing project, how it, it got, you know, destroyed in the Porsche curves and then the the effort from the driver of that car whose name escapes me at the moment trying to fix it on his own for hours afterwards and not being able to and having to retire the car or you know the year that the port uh the the Corvette GT1 car when they were still racing GT1 like the second iteration of GT1 how they uh, had an engine problem early in the race, had to come back in, repair the car, got the car out after an overnight repair, and, you know, everything was, you know, high fives and bat packs in, um, bat pats in the shed, uh, only for their car to be taken out in an accident and destroyed. You know, those those moments of the, you know, the, the light and day in Le Mans are the ones that really stick out at me, um, at least of ones I've watched, uh, I'd I'd love to be able to go back and watch some old archives of some full events, but unfortunately they're extremely difficult to find as I'm finding out more and more. Um, so yeah, I think that about wraps it up, unless there was anything that you guys wanted to end on specifically. I think this has been a nice little chat about the motor race that brings us all together. For me, I think, you know, there's so much more um, out there to be relived. Mm. Um, with these um it's just a terrible shame that um these aren't being shared in terms of footage on online um i think now is the right time yeah uh, more than ever to to make it public because uh, a lot of people are without work um stuck at home um and i think a lot of people find solace in motorsport um so yeah now is now is a better time than ever to to put the this um footage up on online that's not to say that there isn't a way to relive these events at all um certainly reliving them officially yeah officially is a, is a good a good point to make um there's certainly information out there that you can find that tells these stories but there is a certain magic to living the story yourself, so to speak. Yeah, would that would that be a fair statement? Do you think? Yeah, I think, and it, and it comes back round to you know the difference between what I started on having having reading them the the and following via text only mm. and pictures and maybe some clips, short clips. It's different to watching the ebb and the flow um, gradually change 
with the the video feed in front of you and and you can see every little thing you can see how cars are visually faster and slower and uh, over a stint you know if if they've got new tires or or whatever yeah. something that text doesn't quite convey um and having the reading a a race report doesn't quite feel alive as you know reliving the the moments mm. as they happen in real time with the 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 energy behind it yeah i 100 percent agree uh what about you lada any any final comments before we close out um well not not much well i agree i agree with ollie um that you know some sometimes that you know you you can't beat you can't beat the feeling of you actually watching the race in real time live at all it's it's kind of a different experience you actually not not just watching by yourself but watching with the other with other sort of people watching um sports cars i i soon have learned is not just a singular sort of sport the reason why we stayed up for mm-hmm. six hours or or 12 hours or 24 hours is not just because you like to watch it is because everyone else around you here is here to yeah. watch it you know Bas- basically we we have community community overall and um yeah that also uh stay stay safe uh out there um you know you know uh if you actually you know kind of lonely go ahead and have a chat you know we're we're happy we're happy we're happy happy to have um have a talk if you actually feel a bit lonely yeah and that's and that's something i want to round back to to this place and and this community it's been really interesting and really uh heartwarming to see the community that we have here in the subreddit, in the Discord, and even in endurance chat in in this podcast, the the people who have been interacting with us, albeit in a small scale, uh, it's good to see this place still ticking over, and the the community rewatches that we have done have not been bustling events as if they were live races, but they've certainly had a, a good community spirit to them and good discussion about them. And I think the last one that we did, uh, the six hours of spa from 2016 was a really, really good one to sort of introduce, uh, some people who have joined maybe since those days to the madness that was the LMP one H era at its peak. Uh, and it is quite nice to have this community here for, watching these longer races and it's something that i think is a distinct positive from uh as the world has gotten more modern the fact that we can do this and i actually wrote a comment somewhere on reddit that i'm just trying to find so we had a we had a like a, a cross meeting of a bunch of different motorsport communities on a common ground on r slash autosports autosports and someone asked how the hell do you stay up and watch twenty four hours like what's the appeal for it and something that I like to point out every single time is that it's the community that really makes these events special. It's not just the stories of the race itself and you know the stories of the race itself are amazing but it's the community around that that really makes them special and the fact that you can go away from the race for a long period of time and come back to it and get immediately caught up by other people who can share those bits of information those little nuances it's almost like we're all getting a slightly different experience of the same race and i think that part of it uh which i ollie just mentioned earlier that you uh you don't quite get that same sense 
from uh, either just reading it or just listening to it, but by watching it and getting different bits of information from different people and sort of bringing that together. That's that's a really, really cool thing. And I think that's... We're, we're privileged to be able to do that in sports cars. Not a lot of other sports get that sort of thing. Uh, and on that note, I will sign off for Endurance Chat for this week. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Thank you very much to Ollie and Lada for jumping on this week. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Life gezond. Yes, other Netherland word, other Dutch words as well. Uh, and <laughs> we'll see you uh, next week for hopefully something pretty special that's uh, that we're working on. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. Peace out.